and welcome to episode 11 of The Jared White Show, recorded August 14th, 2018. I am, of course, your host, Jared White, and I invite you to join me in a curated celebration of the art form that is the web. Before I dive into today's topics, the book giveaway is underway. Yes, I am giving away your book of choice, either Deep Work or So Good They Can't Ignore You, both by Cal Newport. And if you are in any sort of field of endeavor that you consider to be creative or entrepreneurial or uh, in the knowledge worker category, just basically anything where you want to achieve excellence in your field, get noticed, make an impact, make a difference, uh, either one of these books is a fantastic read. I highly recommend either one of them. They've had a big impact on my life, and I don't say that about a lot of books. I don't find a lot of business books or self-helpy sort of books all that helpful. So uh, so coming from that perspective, my praise of Cal Newport's work uh, is, is really meaning something here. So, uh, so if you want to enter this book giveaway and win your choice of either So Good They Can't Ignore You or Deep Work, here's what you do. Step one, subscribe to my mailing list. If you're already on my mailing list, then you have nothing to worry about. But otherwise, you can go to jaredwhite.com, click the follow button there next to my avatar, and you can sign up for my mailing list. And all I do is just send you out uh, whenever there's a new article or a new podcast episode. No spam, no weird third-party things I'm trying to trick you into getting or paying money for. Uh, It's very simple. So subscribe to my mailing list. And then the second step is email me at jared at jaredwhite.com. I know that's a hard one to remember. I, I know it's, it's going to take a lot of effort to remember what my email address is. Uh, so I'll say it again. Jared at jaredwhite.com. Okay, I'm just kidding, you guys. I know you'll rem- remember that. Duh. Anyway, email me with the subject book giveaway and let me know in 25 words or less the one skill you wish to improve over the next 6 to 12 months. And then step three is, gotcha, there is no step three. That's it. So just subscribe to my mailing list, email me at jared at jaredwhite.com and let me know what your uh, 25 words or less pitch is for a skill you wish to improve in the next 6 to 12 months. And that is all. And with the book giveaway out of the way, oh, by the way, Before I forget, the book giveaway winner will be announced for the next episode, episode 12. So next week, episode 12, you will find out if you are the winner or not. So so stay tuned for that. All right, so getting into today's topic here in the meta segment, uh, there has been a lot of angst in the last few years surrounding Apple hardware And uh, I don't want to get too far down into the weeds of what there is to be angsty about, (laughs) if that's a word. Um, But basically, what I want to talk about is the the Mac laptop for the masses, this this sort of mythical laptop, notebook, computer, whatever you want to call it, that you can just sort of unequivocally recommend and be enthusiastic about. Uh, as a lover of Mac hardware, uh, and and you know not not the super expensive top of the line Pro line, but you know truly the Mac for the masses. You know, uh, setting desktop style computers aside, what 
is the Mac that everyone can just, you know, you don't even have to worry about. Just tell them, you want to get a Mac, buy this. The problem is there is nothing like that right now. Apple has not had a true Mac for the masses that everyone can recommend without caveat uh, for years now. And this has this problem has really come to a head, I think. Um, but I want to just step back a moment in time and sort of explain, you know, how we got to where we are now. Uh, so it, for me, my journey starts back in 2001 when I bought my first Apple product, my first Mac, my first experience of the world of the Mac. I, you know, I was a PC nerd. I was Mr. PC through and through and had been through pretty much my, my entire life, uh, except for uh, at, the very, at the very start when I was, uh, as a little kid, using a Commodore 128. Um, so I was a PC guy. And then I heard about Mac OS X. I heard that Apple... You know, for several years, of course, Apple had been uh, run by Steve Jobs. He had returned to the company. The iMac G3 with all the colors and the translucent plastic had made a big splash. You know, I found that all intriguing. You know, I I found the resurgence of Apple intriguing. Um, But I had no interest in using a Mac because I had no interest in switching from Windows or at the time I was actually infatuated with BOS. But that's a story for another day. Anyway, I had no interest in switching over to Macs as long as they were running the, the classic Mac OS, you know, Mac OS 9. Uh, but then I found out that Mac OS 10 was on the horizon. Uh, they came out with a public beta of it. I got to see some of the screenshots and early reviews of it, and I was absolutely floored. I, I'd sort of made a promise to myself that the first operating system to have next generation graphics, in other words, any alias text, drop shadows, you know, full full color, um, the first operating system to sort of exhibit a, a next generation user interface like that, I was I was just going to get on board. I, I was really interested in user interface design at that time and the and the evolution towards uh, more and more fidelity in user interfaces. And um, yeah, I had been, uh, as a graphics designer, very enamored with the, the products from Kai Krauss, uh, Kai's Power Tools, Bryce, and other graphics software that just had, you know, at this point, they look sort of ridiculous because they're just over the top, like 3D glowing orbs and drop shadows that you wouldn't believe all over the place. Uh, not flat design at all. Um, but at the time, it was, it was just amazing amazing stuff. So I swore to myself that I would switch to an operating system if they actually could get graphics like that into an operating system. And so when I saw Mac OS X, I was like, okay, that's it. Apple sold. I am going to become an Apple product user. I'm going to get a Mac. I'm going to use Mac OS X. You got me. So my first Mac ever was the Titanium PowerBook G4, also affectionately known as a TieBook. It was a gorgeous piece of kit. It was, uh, in many ways, that machine sort of set the tone for Mac laptops uh, forevermore. I mean, the the uh, 2015 13-inch MacBook Pro that I use that's sitting on my desk right here, uh, in, in many ways, looks just like a spiritual successor to that original Thai book. And uh, that, in fact, I think Apple got away from the Thai book look a little bit with their first aluminum MacBooks that had the, the silver keys. I much preferred black keys. 
Uh, so when they came out with the unibody design that had black keys and the silver, uh, I was I was really thrilled with that with that design change. So uh, anyway, um, back to our story though. I got a tie book, and then uh, I believe a couple years later I got an iBook G4. Now this iBook G4, I, I want to mention this in a little bit of detail here because this ties into my theme. Um, the iBook G4 was kind of a magical configuration. It was this 12-inch screen. It was small. It was compact. You know, for those days, it was it looked almost impossibly compact. Uh, it was really cute, uh, but it had some pretty impressive specs inside. You know, I got I got it even you know even though uh, you know in theory it seemed like the the iBook G4 would be a lesser computer than my Thai book I had already bought. Uh, because it was a couple years later, the specs were actually improved. It had a much higher uh, processor, clock speeds, and so forth. Um, I believe it had built-in Wi-Fi, all that kind of stuff. So um, so the iBook G4, you know, it wasn't too expensive. It was pretty affordable. It was, it was considered, you know, Apple's com- consumer laptop versus their professional laptop. So this was the Mac for the masses. If you wanted a laptop and you wanted a Mac... You got an iBook. It was as simple as that. You didn't have to think. You didn't have to look at a bunch of specs and weigh a bunch of different factors and try to figure out if, well, if maybe I spent a little bit more, I can get this other kind of model that's a lot better. None of that. If you wanted a Mac, if you wanted a laptop, you didn't need to spend a ton of money on a professional machine, just get an iBook G4. That's all you need to do. So I loved that machine uh, just as much as I loved my tie book. And um, it was, wasn't until quite a number of years later that I got into the world of the, the Intel MacBook Pros. And, um, you know, basically the, the, the thing that everyone became enamored with later on in the Intel era was the MacBook Air. And I never got into the Airs. I didn't really have an interest in the Airs because by that time, you know, I was I was really pushing my Max hard. I wanted professional machines, so there was no reason for me to get anything other than a MacBook Pro, and you know, really try to spend as much money as I could afford to get the best machine I could afford. Um, so, so for me, the MacBook Air was never a thing that I personally was interested in. However, I realized that the MacBook Air, when it when it launched, it was it was kind of pricey and kind of strange, but. As the price came down and as the specs got improved, basically the MacBook Air became that Mac laptop for the masses. It became what in the past the the iBook G4 had been, you know, a computer that you could get that was pretty good, pretty decent specs, compact, looked cute, you know, easy to use. You didn't have to think a lot about getting it. It was kind of one of these things like, you know, if a buddy's talking to you and they're like, you know, uh, I'm sick of this old clunky PC thing I keep lugging around. I really want to get a Mac. I want to get a laptop. I'm going to take it all over the place, do all sorts of things. I don't want to spend a ton of money. What should I get? Get a MacBook Air. Just just go do it. Go get a MacBook Air. You're going to love it. And most people have. Most people have loved their Airs. They, you know, they just continue to be a, a really popular model. And the crazy thing is, even now, the MacBook Airs are a popular model. And the reason that's crazy is because the MacBook Airs just have not been updated in any significant way in ages. And that's where we get to the problem. So the the meat of today's topic is, hey, Apple, where's your every Mac? Where's your Mac laptop for the masses? The problem is there isn't one. I can't recommend that anyone get a MacBook Air today. 
I just can't. I, 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 know, I know it's not the computer for me anyway, but in the past, I would have been very happy to recommend that to somebody. But right now, I can't recommend that anyone get a MacBook Air. I can't recommend that anyone get a MacBook. Now, the MacBooks have been the, uh, the super thin little, you know, 12-inch, uh, kind of, you know, similar concept to that MacBook Air, but even more compact, even more thin, just like crazy thin, very light. Um, but the processor speeds are pretty abysmal, and it only has one port. That's right, folks, one port, one USB-C port. That's all it has. That's it. That's all I can do with it. One port, which to me on a computer, like it's different with an iPad having one port, the lightning port. You know, I I feel like the iPad is a is a different product category with with different pros and different cons. But uh, for a Mac, for for a computer that you want to buy that you can, you know, really do a lot of different things with and have a lot of, you know, expandability and capability in different ways with with plugging hardware in of various kinds, you know. If you get a laptop and then you want to plug in an audio interface and maybe plug in one or two other things, uh, it's just crazy to try to do that with a MacBook. So I feel like I can't really recommend that anyone get a MacBook. Uh, They're also just crazy expensive. You're spending well over $1,000. $1,300 from the Apple Store right now gets you a MacBook with only a 1.2 gigahertz processor, the Intel Core M3. I mean, that is just really lackluster. Um, and you know, the storage is okay. The memory is okay. I guess the the graphics capabilities on this aren't going to be too great. Um, so you're spending $1,300 for what? Just because it's light because it's crazy thin. I mean, it just does not seem worth it to me. Uh, if you, if you go a step up to the MacBook pro line and you look at the MacBook pros without the touch bar, just with the regular strip of function keys, uh, you know, that starts to look better for that $1,300 price point until you realize that only gets you 128 gigabytes of storage. And that's, that's just not enough in a, in a Mac laptop. You need at least 256. So by the time you get 256 and a little bit better specs, you're now spending $1,499. So $1,500. So basically, at the point where I feel comfortable recommending to somebody, hey, why don't you get this laptop? This is gonna, this is going to do well for you. Uh, it's pretty beefy, but it's also small and pretty light. And you know, this is going to be like a, a good all-around machine for you. We're talking a machine that costs $1,500. That is just too much money. That is, that is not going to work for a lot of people to spend that much money on a new laptop you know, if, if they're just a casual user, if they just have, you know, relatively simple needs, uh, you know, that's what the MacBook Air was supposed to be for. So going back to the MacBook Air, you can buy one today, but it doesn't have a retina screen. Uh, you know, it doesn't have the most modern of ports, you know, no USB-C and that sort of thing. Um, you know, there's just a whole lot of problems. The, the specs haven't really been updated properly in ages. So, you know, at, and this kind of goes to a larger problem, which is why people get so grumpy about the state of Mac hardware in general. You know, I'm looking at a screenshot here I captured and marked up of the Apple Store, the, the entire line of, of Mac products, all the different categories. And I have MacBook, nope. MacBook Air, nope. MacBook Pro, really only the newly refreshed, updated MacBook Pros with the touch bar, 
Uh, those are good machines. Those that just came out recently are, are really solid machines. They cost a lot, but they're really good machines. I feel like this latest generation, Apple's really nailed it. So those are good, but that's only part of the lineup. So like half of the MacBook Pro lineup's okay. iMacs are okay. iMac Pros are okay. Mac Pro, nope. <laughs> Absolutely not. The Mac Pro line is, is basically dead in its current state, and Apple has admitted that. They're working on a brand new line of the Mac Pro, the, the Pro desktop line, but uh, that won't even be revealed until next year. So that's a problem. Mac Mini, nope. So there are, there are four no's in terms of categories here. Two yeses and then one that's sort of a mixed bag, which is the MacBook Pro category. Um, so that's, that's a real issue right now. But the biggest issue is just the, the simple question. What is the everyday Mac for the masses that people can get in a laptop form factor? What is that product? Apple does not have that product. If we go back to the original Steve Jobs, you know, quadrants of, you know, you have consumer and professional desktops, you have consumer and professional laptops. And those are, you know, one, two, three, four, four product categories. What is in that consumer notebook, consumer laptop category? You know, what is the product that goes there that's a really great product? Apple does not have that right now. It's, and it's just baffling to me that it's taking you know, so long for this strategy to start to make sense. You know, they haven't had a clear strategy here in the last several years. And, you know, the, the times of uh, product launches being imminent come and go, and we don't have a solution for that. So here, here's what I'm hoping. Here's my hopeful note of what might be coming down the pike and, and what I'm optimistic about for the future. Uh, there's actually a report here about a low-cost MacBook Air-type product with a retina screen, you know, with, with some updated internals that make sense, you know, good specs and so forth. Uh, and it's rumored that Apple is uh, just starting to put these into production and, you know, they'll be announced relatively soon. So I'm, I'm going to imagine a little bit here. I'm going to imagine a product that's closer to the MacBook Air than it is the, the tiny little MacBook, uh, but has a retina screen, has in, upgraded internals that are really nice, uh, you know, ha- has, uh, you know, possibly the kind of keyboard that you get in a MacBook Air currently, or maybe it's one of the newer generation of the butterfly keyboards. You know, either way, I think uh, that could work. Um, yeah, hopefully USB-C ports, maybe Thunderbolt, but if not, I don't think that's the end of the world. I think at least having USB-C ports and, you know, hope, hopefully not just USB-C ports, but that's possible. Um, but either way there, you know, I, I, I think this could be it. And if they can hit that magic $9.99 price point, maybe even a little lower, which this report is saying, uh, you know, you can find the link there in the show notes for that. Um, but if this report is accurate, you know, it could be a little bit lower cost, like maybe $7 or $8.99. If, if Apple can pull that off, if they can pull off this, this new updated MacBook Air type product with really great specs, uh, you know, relatively low cost, and and basically point to this and say, this is our consumer laptop. This is what you buy if you're an everyday consumer and you want something that doesn't cost too much and you want a Mac and you want a laptop, this is what you buy. I, I'm, I'm really hoping that these reports are accurate, that the rumors are true, and that we'll see this product emerge pretty soon. Because if it doesn't, you know, if we don't see anything like that in the near future, 
uh, Apple is just going to start really hurting in their sales. Uh, we already saw that with the latest quarter results. The Mac product line as a whole was, uh, was kind of trending downward. And, and oddly enough, it switched places with the iPad, which in the past had been trending downward. But Apple's strategy of having the iPad and the iPad Pros and having both being really great machines that you know are really good for, for their price points and offer a lot to a, a wide range of users... Uh, you know, the iPad lineup has been great for a while, just absolutely off the charts, phenomenal hardware. Um, so if they can get the Mac hardware to be as great as the iPad and certainly the iPhone hardware, particularly, you know, in this world of, of consumer laptops, then Apple will have a really awesome strategy. But if not, uh, we're, we're going to continue to have this, this grumpiness and angst going forward. So that concludes my little uh, rant, my little discussion of Apple Notebooks with you. Uh, bottom line, if, coming from somebody who started with Macs all the way back in 2001, uh, you know, I got into the Mac with the, with the professional laptop, the Tidebook, um, but I also used the iBook, the, the consumer laptop of that time. Uh, and I, I really love the consumer laptop vision that Apple has, you know, theoretically. I, I love the idea that for not a lot of money, you know, relatively speaking, you can get a Mac that's a really nice, cute little laptop that, that works really well, that's you know, easy to lug around, uh, you know, good enough specs that you can really get serious work done on it. Um, just, you know, just this really nice sort of uh, compromise from, from all directions into a product that really, really sits nicely in the overall matrix of available Macs. So, you know, I, I, I love that kind of product. It's not necessarily one I would buy personally. You know, it, you know I, I always want to get the high-end professional Macs if I can because I am a professional who has those kinds of needs. Um, but I want this kind of product to exist. I want to be able to recommend this kind of product to people. So I'm hopeful that Apple is uh, on the verge of, of showing us what the strategy is. And, uh, and then we can, we can all be uh, <laughs> breathing a sigh of relief. All right, folks, and for a few things today in our link segment, Jean-Luc Picard is back. Yes, that's right. Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the Starship Enterprise, of course, made famous in the show Star Trek The Next Generation. He is back, or rather, we should say that Patrick Stewart is back playing that role. Uh, there's a link in the show notes to the YouTube video where he appeared to everyone at Comic-Con and in a, in a fairly emotional speech, uh, let everyone know that uh, something he never thought would happen, partially because he didn't want to reprise the role. He didn't want to come back to it for, for reasons he goes into. But uh, much to his surprise and everyone else, this role is coming back. He will return as Jean-Luc Picard. I'm very thrilled with this news because of all the Starship captains of all the Star Trek shows and, and really any sci-fi show of that nature I can think of, uh, Jean-Luc Picard is my favorite. He is my favorite captain uh, don't get me wrong. I love Captain James T. Kirk. He he was the he was the original. He was a true original. But uh, the thing I love about Captain Jean Luc Picard was, at the end of the day, he wasn't a soldier. He wasn't a career military officer. He was an intellectual. He was, you could almost say, a poet. Not that he literally wrote poetry, but he had that kind of mind. He had the kind of mind 
to to really like dig into the why behind the what, the nuances of philosophy, and you know the kind of decision making he would usually engage in was not rash. You know, it was thoughtful. It was well considered. It was deliberate. Uh, you know, you never got the sense that Captain Jean Luc Picard was in Starfleet. You know, for for fame or glory or some kind of you know very grandiose sort of idea that was fed by his own ego. Um, you know, obviously the Federation and the whole concept of what they're doing was grandiose, but the, at the end of the day, what Picard was about was about enriching the lives of not only humans, but also of aliens and not only the lives of aliens, but the lives of, of the creatures and aliens and weird things that he would encounter in, in his travels. You know, he, he had this sort of humanitarian, egalitarian kind of philosophy that guided so much of what he did. You know, a great view into this is the episode where where Picard has to fight for the right of Data to be uh, acknowledged as a sentient being with rights and not just some kind of robot that's the property of the Federation. Uh, so, you know, this sort of interesting look at, you know, what kind of rights does uh, AI have? And, um, you know, so he, he was not only there for Data, his friend, but also for Data, the concept. Like, what is Data, or rather, who is Data, and you know, what kind of rights should he have? Uh, and Picard, you know, had to, had to come up with a, with a really concise and concrete uh, definition to, to make his case here. So a uh, really fantastic episode of, of the show. Anyway, I'm just so excited that Captain Jean-Luc Picard is back. Uh, as, the, as Patrick Stewart says in the video, he may not actually be a captain anymore. Years and years, decades of, of time has passed. So you're going to see a you know a much older Picard, um, but I, I don't care. Just seeing Patrick Stewart in this role again, no matter what happens, it's absolutely thrilling to me. I'm so excited about this. All right, next up, Patreon, the service that uh, so many YouTubers, podcasters, and other content creators rely on to to help fund their efforts. Uh, Patreon, you can just go on to and and support creators by offering to pledge a certain amount per month or maybe a certain amount per thing they create. Uh, it's fantastic service, and Patreon has now bought Memberful. And Memberful kind of fulfills a similar need, but unlike Patreon, where it's sort of like Kickstarter, one of these sites where everything is, is within this sort of networked platform called Patreon, uh, Memberful is a service that just provides a, a, a software tool to content creators. So typically, you know, you go to a, a creator's site, you know, mycoolart.com, and you click a button there, and then you can, uh, you know, sign up for a membership and subscribe to pay 10 bucks a month or whatever it is. And you do that through the Memberful service, but you don't really know that you're doing it through Memberful. It's not really branded that way. It kind of just looks like you're using tools that are a part of the creator's site. So it's, it's almost like a white label kind of service in that respect. Uh, so it, it makes a lot of sense that Patreon would want to either roll out something like Memberful or just buy Memberful. And that's basically what they said. They said, you know, we thought about it and we thought maybe we should build a tool that, you know, sort of white labels Patreon and people can build that into their own site. 
but we didn't really want to do that. We wanted to just be able to focus on what makes Patreon great, but also, you know, be a part of this other kind of market. So Patreon is buying Memberful, but keeping it independent as its own tool, as its own uh, offering. And so, you know, Patreon will be the, the parent company, but Memberful will continue doing what it does best. And I really think this is probably the, the best of all possible worlds here. And it just indicates how important that uh, the subscription model, the patronage model is for content creators today. Uh, advertising supported revenue has just not panned out the way uh, we all once thought it might. Uh, you know, sponsorships are, of course, a big deal in the podcast world. And, and advertisements are, of course, you know, an important part of what makes YouTube possible. But really, you know, the way a lot of content creators now online are, are able to make it, are able to survive and even thrive is through the support of, of readers, of podcast listeners, video watchers, and so forth. Uh, I intend myself to launch a Patreon campaign soon for this show. Uh, I was going to do it sooner, actually, but I decided to, to get a few episodes in, you know, get some traction, get some good feedback from people, make sure that the the show's really, you know, working artistically the way I would hope it should, and and then uh, and then get the Patreon going. So stay tuned for that. And last but not least in the link segment, the origin of the hashtag in social media. This is a really cool infographic that a company put together. Links in the show notes. Uh, you'll learn about the the hashtag symbol and what it was originally called how it made its way into computer hardware and then various software uses, uh, who first coined the term hashtag on Twitter. Uh, anyway, the, the whole history there and sort of in a nutshell is fascinating to me. So I highly recommend you take a look at that. And that's it for the link segment. And in the image segment, a video from NASA, uh, pretty, pretty brilliant concept, uh, kind of a duh moment when you <laughs> think about it in hindsight. Uh, Absolutely wonderful fly-by footage of the lunar surface of the moon put to the music of Claire de Lune by Claude Debussy. So if you want to hear music written about the moon, put to footage of the moon, this video is quite a nice thing to watch. So uh, check that out. Links in the show notes, of course. And my friends, that's it. It's another episode in the can. Episode 11 of The Jared White Show is a wrap. So thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, please join the book giveaway. Uh, I won't go into all the details. Uh, you know, flip back to the beginning of the episode for the details on how to enter into the book giveaway, but I really hope you do that. And until I talk to you next time, I hope you have a wonderful week. Bye. Jerry Rachel.